live from Utrecht. This is Bitcoin. Explained. Hey, Sjors. What's up? I have an amazing gift for our listeners today. Okay. As you know, the Bitcoin Amsterdam conference is coming up. It's in October. Yes. And I can offer our dear listeners a discount code for 10% off of their tickets. That sounds amazing. Isn't that great? The discount code is SHORSNADO. I wanted to make sure we had a discount code that no one can pronounce or remember. Or spell correctly <laughs> unless they know what they're talking about. No, it's excellent. Exactly. So now it's only for our one... I hope there... Let's see if there's even one pe person that will use the code. Like that, that will be our hardcore fan if there's one person that will use this code. I'm not sure if we can see if anyone uses the code. I think so. I hope there will be one person. And then if we meet you at the conference, we'll take a picture with you. Right, Shores? Maybe, maybe you, not. Uh, well, we've just promised it. So we, we can't really go back on it now. I've said it out loud. Shores and I will take a picture with you at Bitcoin Amsterdam if you use the code SHORESNATO. All right. Sure. what are we going to discuss today? That's We're going to discuss very sad news, actually, aren't we? I don't know if it's sad. Yeah. It's not happy news. No, but it was somewhat predictable news. And yeah. Okay, so the Vladimir van der Laan, the lead developer, lead maintainer of Bitcoin Core, he's going to quit, or he did quit. He's, yeah, he's retiring. He's retiring. He's done it since 2004. 14 so that is that right yeah no i think much longer i think like officially gavin and gavin and the oh as a maintainer yeah i mean he's been in the project since um, for almost 10 years probably yeah probably at least 10 years right yeah but yeah lead maintainer for i guess about eight over eight years now i think it was like march 2014 or something from the top of my head could be and he's stepping down so we thought this was a good opportunity to maybe discuss I guess what a lead maintainer for Bitcoin Core does, what he is, and a little bit more broadly, the Bitcoin Core development process itself. Yes. So how how is Bitcoin how is the Bitcoin Core software actually produced, or who does this, and not it does, it's not about individuals, but the different roles that are involved in that process. Mm -hmm. So sure, first of all. What is Bitcoin Core? Well, Bitcoin Core is many things to many people. Now, I mean, uh, primarily it's the name of a piece of software. You know, it's the newly, the, the piece of software just used to be called Bitcoin and then it was rebranded to Bitcoin Core. And I guess the brand stuck around. It's basically the node that validates all the blocks and you can also use it with a wallet and it's got a nice user interface and it used to be able to mine blocks, all that sort of cool stuff. Bitcoin Core is also the name of a unspecified group of people that contribute code to to the Bitcoin Core software. Basically, anybody who does that is called a Bitcoin Core contributor, apparently. And I believe this concept was invented by Peter Todd. You can also be a former Bitcoin Core contributor. Mm -hmm. So uh, apparently, even though your commits will always be in there, at some point, you're not presently a contributor. Right. I don't think there's a very tight definition of that. And then, in addition to contributing, you can maintain... You can be a maintainer, and I guess we'll have to explain a bit what that is. And then there's such a thing as a lead maintainer. Yeah, I want to. I first, I want to get a, a little bit more philosophical here, if you'll allow me. Sure. So you just said Bitcoin Core is a piece of software. 
for example that's one of the definitions you gave in short so but but then like if you which piece of software is bitcoin core how do you how like how is it defined is there a way to define which software actually is bitcoin core well i would say that once that becomes difficult there'll be probably be two names for two different things that's the easy way out right right because right now it's just you go to bitcoincore.org and the thing you see there is called bitcoin core and there's there's no controversy around that if you know unless you talk to some really crazy people i mean there was some controversy about it like a year ago if you remember around the, the taproot activation discussion at some point luke Tasher was arguing that bitcoin core was no longer bitcoin core okay yeah i guess in the eyes of some people that can that such a controversy can happen earlier right but i think in this case it was mostly his opinion um, but you could have a situation where uh, the people currently described as Bitcoin Core or some subset of it um, make changes that are considered controversial by other people, perhaps even also people who are part of Bitcoin Core. And so at that point, you might have, might have a split in opinion where one group says, no, this is Bitcoin Core, and the other group says, this is Bitcoin Core, and there's no nobody formally entitled to anything there. So then I guess you will have to start arguing about names and, and what's the real Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah, you get similar discussions. Like a, uh, well, and it depends what, on the kind of the, change, right? So there could be two kinds of changes. One is a consensus change, and that's definitely what the situation with Luke Dasher was about. So what are the actual rules of the Bitcoin blockchain? If you have a dis- dispute about that, you get problems with ticker symbols and that sort of stuff. But you could also have a, a more benign conflict, for example, where some people say, well, Bitcoin Core should have a graphical client and it should be easy to use, and others would say, no, it should absolutely not be. And maybe that causes some sort of split uh, where you have two pieces of software that follow the exact same rules, but uh, they are really two different pieces of software. And maybe yeah, well, then people fight over the name. I yeah. doubt it, but it could happen. I, well, I'd say the, the example that I gave with Luke Dasher was somewhere in between these two. So to end, I don't want to dwell on this, but at the same time, I, I do think it's kind of relevant for the episode and I'll explain why. So my... I so I, I never really gave it too much thought or I never really you know thought that it could ever become a problem but if you would have asked me what Bitcoin core is then my answer would have been Bitcoin core is whatever the lead maintainer of Bitcoin core says is Bitcoin core well that now won't that, work because if the, well, bi- the, that if the lead circular. maintainer says something crazy then you know then you would you could simply say, well, he's not the lead maintainer, and therefore whatever the new lead maintainer says is Bitcoin Core. But then you might as well just directly say what it is. No, so in my definition, that would still be Bitcoin Core. It's just that users would then have to adopt a new software. They would have to migrate to a new software. But the lead maintainer does sort of define, in my personal definition, the way I was always thinking about it, mm-hmm. like that is who defines it. And then who is the lead maintainer of Bitcoin Core, you know, before, because it could get circular, that is either whoever founded the project or whoever inherited the project from either the founder or the previous lead maintainer. Does that make sense? So that's how I used to think yeah, about it. I guess it could make sense. Do. I don't think that's that's useful at the moment anyway, right? Because in the beginning, yes, it was very clear that the founder was the lead maintainer. But very quickly, whether, I mean, Gavin, I guess, was the second lead maintainer mm. for Vladimir. But I, and I think Gavin got it inherited in a way. Right. I don't know if Vladimir got it inherited or 
Well, that one for sure. Like Vladimir definitely inherited it from Gavin. That was very explicit. The less explicit one was arguably Gavin from Satoshi. That one is a little bit more murky, I think. It's sort but of right now it's just like Vladimir says, okay, I'm no longer the lead maintainer. Now there is no lead maintainer. And yeah, we'll the next one is decided not necessarily by Vladimir. It could be uh, somebody, you know, multiple people might say, oh, I would like to roll. And then I guess a group of developers would sort of talk about it. My guess is that there will be zero or one volunteer for this role. And so there's not a problem of, of deciding who it is, but I, I wouldn't call it inheritance. I don't think, I mean, maybe Vladimir is, you know, if he, if he has a strong preference between two super equal candidates, I could imagine people would say, okay, whatever his preference is, but in the end. Okay, that that's interesting. I was going to get on this point in the, at the end of the episode, okay. but, but now that you mentioned it, let, let's just finish this thought. So what you're saying, you, you expect that the next lead maintainer would not actually be someone that Vladimir will explicitly say, okay, you're no, and you're my successor. It will just sort of, how, so who's going to decide or how does that? The thing is, Vladimir has said for years that, you know, he would like somebody else to start doing this at some point. Mm -hmm. And he said, like, if people don't do this voluntarily, I'm just going to do this Python situation where the lead maintainer just leaves very suddenly. And the thing is with, with these kind of projects, like it's not the nicest and most thankful work. So... It's not like people are fighting to become the next lead maintainer of Bitcoin Core. Nobody wants to be the next lead maintainer, including Vladimir. Sure. And at some point, if Vladimir says, I'm not doing this anymore, and somebody else will eventually start doing it. But it's more like that. It's like, somebody please be the lead maintainer. Okay. So it's not like president of the US. Like <laughs> Someone will start doing it. And what it is, that, so that's sort of what we'll get into in the... Yeah, it, the rest it, it of the is, episode, but now we're really skipping ahead. So now yeah, I want to take a step because back, I guess. it is multiple multiple things. So what I'm basically well, we'll get into what these things are, right? But what I'll guess is what happens is uh, there's certain tasks that Vladimir used to do, and he's not doing them anymore, or at least that might be the case. Somebody else will do one or more of those tasks, and perhaps whoever is doing most of those tasks, because nobody else is doing it, then suddenly gets crowned. You are the lead maintainer now. Have fun. Okay, so let's at this point we should get back in in order of the episode. Yeah. So yeah, the the controversy at some point was so my kind of loose definition of Bitcoin Core was always whatever the Bitcoin Core lead maintainer says is Bitcoin Core, and then what Luke Dasher was kind of contending or arguing instead was that in his mind Bitcoin Core is defined as a process. So there's a specific process, and if that process is being followed then that is Bitcoin Core. That process has something to do with consensus. And if that process is broken, then whatever comes out of that process cannot be called Bitcoin Core. So he had a different way of defining Bitcoin Core, which is not something I've since then given much thought or have an opinion on. Or, But I did think it was interesting that you can have different opinions or definitions of Bitcoin Core. So yeah. I just wanted to throw that out there. Now, we've just kind of defined Bitcoin Core, or we haven't, or we've explained that there are different ways of looking at it. So let's leave that aside. Next question or next point is, so what are the roles within the Bitcoin Core project? There is a Bitcoin Core project, let's just assume that. And then there's roles, 
within that project. And I think you've already mentioned one or two of them. Yeah, I went into what contributors are, right? So people who contribute code, I guess, you know, there's also people who contribute review or, and that sort of thing or issues, etc. Right. And there's this is something anyone can do. Anyone can decide today or tomorrow or last year or next year, I'm going to contribute to Bitcoin Core in some way or another. Can be code, can be review, can be maybe translations of text or yeah and there's in principle there's like no barrier to entry to that right so you just show up with your piece of code or with your comment and unless it's like absolute spam you know you'll be fine yeah Uh, maybe nothing happens with your code but you know it's not yeah no nor does anything happen with you you can start calling yeah but then the next the next role would be a maintainer right and that one has a I would say a higher barrier to entry. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a really a formal process for it, but what the maintainer does is they essentially click the merge button. So at this point, I think we need to explain a little bit of GitHub workflow. Yes, I think so, yeah. Right. So there's this thing called GitHub, which is a place where people keep Git repositories. Git itself is a decentralized system that has existed for a long time or a distributed system, depending on your look. And so on GitHub, uh, you can, you know, there's an organization on GitHub. I would say it's not really an organization, but it's called Bitcoin. And this organization owns a repository. So a repository is a piece of code. And that piece of code is also called Bitcoin. So that's why the URL is github.com slash Bitcoin, the organization slash Bitcoin, the the project, the source code. Right. Now, well, we'll get into what that Bitcoin organization is in a bit. But uh, to explain the workflow, when you want to propose a change to Bitcoin, you make a pull request. And what that does is you, you take the code, the original code, and you clone it on your own computer, and then you change something, and you, you push that change to GitHub. So now GitHub has the original code plus your changes, and then you do something that's called a pull request, which basically sends a message, I guess, to the, to the repository that shows the difference between your stuff and the original code. And then, the, and then you can explain why you're doing it, and so other people will see, okay, they'll see this person wants to propose the following changes and this is their reasoning why. And then people will start looking at it. They'll review the differences. And if enough people agree with it, then somebody has to click a button, essentially, that now includes your changes into this Bitcoin slash Bitcoin repository so that everybody else uh, can build on top of it. Right. So everything you mentioned so far, up until the button clicking, that's what Bitcoin Core contributors do. Yeah, the contributors yep. review your code, they suggest improvements, and at some point, if enough contributors and then if enough contributors that have the correct skill set to actually judge that, say, okay, this code is fine, then the maintainer more or less just presses the button. Yes, and what happens when they press the button? Then the code is included inside the inside the master branch. Right. Which means then everybody else who wants to make a change has to build on top of what you just did. Right. At least, you know, the way Git works is kind of a tree. So you don't actually have to build on top of the very latest thing that is on the master branch if you're not touching the same thing. So if there's like two different files, I don't have to build on top of the latest uh, commit on master if I'm working on a different file. But there's something called a merge conflict where like if the if the master branch contains a file that's been changed, then, you know, you and you are also changing that file, you actually have to build on top of the latest version. Otherwise, we don't know what the truth is. But that's maybe uh, for another episode. Okay, so 
someone needs to click that button, that person is a Bitcoin Core maintainer. Yes. How many Bitcoin Core maintainers are there right now or are there six. usually? There's six and it's always been sort of roughly around that number. Do you know from the top of your head, do you remember who these six are currently? Well, Vladimir is still technically. Panquake. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Marco Michael Ford. Falka, right? Uh, and Marco Falke. And Gloria Zhao. Gloria Zhao. Oh, oh. Right. I don't know what his uh, real name is. And Andrew Chow. There you go. You made it to all six. We didn't insult anyone thanks to your great memory, George. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, so so the, the, uh, uh, there are six currently, and I think that's usually it, it's usually around six, right? That's been around six for, for at a least long time. Uh, many years. Yeah. yeah. Some people come, some people go. Right. So then, how do you become a Bitcoin Core maintainer? How do you get the? How do you get the? So there's access not, to this button. Yeah. So there's not a super formal process for it, but basically the idea would be that you have been around for a while. You have a reputation of not doing absolutely insane things and you understand when something is safe to include right so so for the most part what a maintainer does is they rely on people who other people who have done the reviewing and who've publicly said that it's okay but you do need to know whose review is typically good and whose review may not be very good right you, uh, so you need some experience in the project to know that mm -hmm. and so that's sort of so so basically then there's a meeting on the irc chat where somebody might say, hey, you know, I'd like to become a maintainer. Uh, or, hey, we'd like you to become a maintainer. And then others would say, yeah, sounds good, sounds good, sounds good. And maybe there's some discussion, maybe not. And then a little bit later, the one of the existing maintainers adds that new maintainer. Right. So maintainers are added by other maintainers, essentially. Yeah, but the approval process is a community thing. Yeah. But the actual physical add act of making somebody a maintainer can only be done by maintainers or somebody with backdoor access. Right. Like a GitHub employee could do it as well. Essentially. Yeah. But, but then I guess we can get there later. I don't know if you want to get into that now, but there's basically two ways that people track who the maintainers is. So there is the, yeah, let's uh, get into okay. it now. Sure. Yeah. So on GitHub, there's basically GitHub itself as a platform, but as a trusted platform, they have mechanisms to make sure that some people can push the button and other people cannot. Mm -hmm. So the list of current maintainers is updated inside of GitHub so that GitHub, you know, at least make sure that no random other person can press a button because that would create a mess. Wouldn't be the end of the world, but it would definitely create a mess. But there's a second thing because GitHub is a trusted platform. We don't really want to rely on, on that, right? So, well, one thing you can do is you can just look at all the recent commits on the Bitcoin Core repository and you can look like who was hitting the merge button because the merge button, well, they're not technically not using the button, but I won't bore you with that. But you can see who made the merge commit. So you can check that it's actually one of those six people that you know to be the maintainers. But there's also an automated way to check that. And that's because there is a file inside the repository. And that file says, these are the six maintainers. This is their PGP key. And so there's a script that will start with that file sometime in the past. Whatever the maintainers were then, it looks at all the merges. And it will say, okay, this merge was done by somebody who was on the list at the time of the merge. And then at some point, you know, the, the list itself has changed. It checks that the list was changed by somebody on that list and not by somebody else. And then it will check for the next commits that they were done by somebody who, who had permission to press the merge button. And that's because these commits are cryptographically signed or how? Yes. 
exactly. So GitHub has a really nice feature that uh, not everybody uses, and you don't have to use it. But when you make a commit, which is a like one piece of a change, you can sign it with your PGP key. You can do it automatically, or you can do it manually. And maintainers always do this when they make a merge. So that means that you cryptographically sign using your PGP key that you are the one doing the merge. Right. Uh, unless your key is compromised, of course. Sure. Right. Okay. That's clear to me. Is that what you wanted to say about that part? Yep. Okay, great. So then, so now we've discussed contributors, which can essentially be anyone that contributes. And then we've discussed maintainers, which are about six and they get access to this merge button. And then we have the lead maintainers. So what differentiates the lead maintainer from regular maintainers or what are well, the roles of a lead maintainer? I think over time we could say that the lead maintainer is doing less and less, or at least uh, less and less very visible things. But it, I mean, the lead maintainer basically evolved from what would be the benevolent dictator in a project like Linux, right? Yeah. So it is the person, especially in the beginning, is the person who makes a release, who decides when it's, well, doesn't really decide when it's time to make a release. Well, I mean, in the original benevolent dictator thing, you know, they would decide when to make a release. They would decide what would go into the release. They would put it on the website, etc. I mean, that um, was certainly true for Bitcoin in the early years as well. Yeah, and it's evolved a little bit where a lot of these subtasks have been more distributed, where there are still several buttons that Vladimir or the new maintainer has to push, but there are a lot of buttons that really anyone can push as long as somebody pushes them. Okay, so what are some of these buttons? But I would say one of the ones that's still probably critical is the release itself. Just to decide that this is a release and not some other commit. Is hey, that get, kind of gets back to my definition of Bitcoin Core then, doesn't it? Yeah, but it's not that essential either. Like in, in principle, any maintainer, I guess, could also make a release. I don't know if that's still actually constrained or not. Yeah, well, isn't that the case now? Isn't Bitcoin Core released by... Or different people sign off to it? or Okay, so there's multiple aspects to the release. The okay, one yeah. aspect is which commit, which specific piece of code actually represents the release. That's done with a tag on GitHub. Right. Or even in Git, Git has tags. Tags are signed too. So the question is, who gets to sign the tags? And the answer to that question is, well, if you have a script that checks the tags, you know, what does the script want? Mm -hmm. Maybe the script wants the lead maintainer to do it. Maybe the script is fine if any of the maintainers do it. But I would say it's the same kind of thing as a stacking emerge. So maybe the lead maintainer doesn't even do that. Maybe he does, but he doesn't have to. Maybe anybody could do it, but in practice, maybe only one person does it. So, I, that, so, I, that's I one, so in short, that's one person that says this is a new Bitcoin release. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And then, So currently in Bitcoin or so far in Bitcoin, was this still Vladimir always? I, I haven't checked, probably. Okay, and and the way he would do that is, he would he would open his computer, he would type the the, the words uh, git tag, and then v zero twenty three dot one. Sure, then, but I'm my my question is more. He would probably need a reason to do that for himself at least. He he wouldn't just do that because he felt like it. He would probably no have no some no. Kind and of this, checklist. there there are a bunch of checklists out there that you can see in the repository. A whole lot of things have to happen. I th I think I forgot the name of the file, but there is basically a list uh, release process.md that has a lot of tedious things that have to happen. Like somebody has to upload the latest translations. Again, that could be any contributor, but somebody has to add the translations. Right. Somebody has to change the version number in the source code so that it displays the correct version number. Doesn't matter who does that. Somebody has to do it. 
There's a whole bunch of these things. Somebody has to make release notes. And and then the more subjective part is to say, okay, are there still any bugs left that have to be fixed before it's good to make a release? So and then and usually there's release candidates. Those are things that are released to the public that people can test. Then I guess it doesn't really matter when you do that. And then there's the actual release. And for the actual release, usually on the IRC chat, there's a meeting where people say, should we do the release? And then a lot of people say, yeah, let's do the release then the maintainer again just presses the button and makes the release. Yo, what is going on, guys? We are proud to have Voltage as a sponsor of this episode. How many of you developers out there have wanted a streamlined infrastructure provider for your particular project? Well, I'll tell you what, Voltage is the Bitcoin infrastructure provider you have been looking for that makes building on Bitcoin quick and easy, whether it's Bitcoin nodes, Lightning nodes, BTC pay, and so much more. But don't take it from me. Just ask the guys over at Amboss, Sphinx, Podcast Index, and Thunder Games, and so many others that you guys already know and love. Their enterprise-grade products make it fast and easy to build, deploy, and scale your next project. So make it easy on yourself. Even normie plebs can use the dashboard or API. Don't wait before the next block confirmation. Let your team focus on building great products and let Voltage handle all the rest. Voltage is your go-to zero management Bitcoin infrastructure solution. Okay, so as far as we know or think or suspect, so far it was still Vladimir who kind of went through this checklist and said, all right, everything is done. This is the new Bitcoin Core release. Yeah, I think so. But and again, that, that sounds like something that can trivially be done by anyone, right. by any of the maintainers anyway. And then I think the second part you were going to get at is signing the release. Yeah. So once you have decided what source code belongs to the release, now you need to actually make a binary that belongs to the release. And there is a, we talked about this deterministic builds mm -hmm. many episodes ago about geeks, for example, how it's done now. Anybody can do that. And every, you know, many different people should do that. And the results should be identical, whoever does it. So for the same code, for, for for any given code, you should get the exact same binary. And not just one binary, but one for Windows, one for Mac, one for Linux, etc. And these binaries have checksums. And so what you want to sign is the checksums. And yeah, it used to be, and that's usually the case with a lot of open source projects, that the lead maintainer signs the binary and says this is the signature or this is the checksum of the binary and I'm here signing this binary with my PGP key so that people who download it know that they don't have malware that at least they know that you know if there's malware then the malware is made by the lead maintainer and so that has been changed recently there are a lot of people signing off on these binaries so th the process has mm -hmm. been changed so that everybody can yes. uh, so that multiple people can sign for a release I I think it's not even it's not just the uh, the maintainers like I think anybody can sign for a release, and that means that you, when you download the release, there's a whole bunch of signatures on it, and then you can decide I guess which signature you care about. So maybe you know somebody and you trust them. Maybe that's Vladimir. Maybe that's somebody else. But uh, yeah, so that removes again removes the lead maintainer from a critical from a somewhat you know centralizing point I guess. Then there's another task, which is to put the binary on a website and point the website to it, basically, and update the website so it has a nice little blog post. Okay, you're, you're now getting to a third task that a lead maintainer typically, does. typically does. So the, f the first one was signing off the release or 
deciding when a release is a release. And then the second one was signing the release, which we separated into two tasks or are separated into two tasks. And then the third one you're now going to get into is publishing the code, the new release on the website. So yes. in this case, it would be the bitcoincore.org website. That's right. And so that process has also been somewhat split up again with checklists. So any anybody I think can anybody can make the web page that announces the next release, and then it's merged again by some maintainer. Um, right. So, so that so this third task is also already kind of more distributed. It's not necessarily only yeah, and I think anymore. it's semi-automated. So there is basically a repository on GitHub again that represents that web page, and you can add things to the repository. But there might be some little aspect of like actually putting the file on the server, that part might still be somebody doing that. Right. But it doesn't really matter who that is uh, as long as the file that's there is not malware. So it probably shouldn't be a completely random person because not everybody actually checks if there's malware. Mm -hmm. But if there is malware, somebody will find out very quickly. Right. Okay, so that's three tasks of which at least two are already more decentralized, namely signing and publishing it on the website. And then the first one deciding when a release is a release we weren't exactly sure about, but... It's definitely decentralizable to it. Anything else? I mean, yeah, there's, there's things like uh, starting the IRC meetings. Yeah. Again, that's been pretty automated. Uh, the main thing that Vladimir does is to, to type on IRC the word start meeting. And then there's a bot that starts the meeting and I and guess he, he types end meeting. And I, and I think other people can do that as well. Right. I guess he does sort of manage the meeting, right? He kind of... Yeah, exactly. But in principle, again, anybody can do that. Which is which topics are being discussed and stuff yeah. like that. So you, sure, yeah, anyone can do it. But so far, it was mostly Vladimir that was still doing that. Yeah, and this really, you know, comes back to the um, point I brought up in the beginning of our chat. Like, somebody has to do it. And as long as Vladimir does it, nobody else will do it. As soon as he stops doing it, well, either it doesn't happen. And then people are like, why is there no meeting? And then somebody types, start meeting. Right. And then there's a meeting. Right. But but my guess is, and we've 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 now listed a couple of tasks that are very clearly the kind of thing a lead maintainer typically does. Mm -hmm. But there are probably a lot of very small things. You know, this happens with any company or any organization or voluntary organization. There's always this one person that just does a lot of different things. And when they leave, you find out what they were actually doing. And and that means that things are just gonna break. Not so much things inside Bitcoin Core, because that software the software itself is not really affected by who is the maintainer. But I could imagine that the next release takes a bit longer because there was some step that nobody thought about or that just nobody takes the initiative on, right? It's like, yes, somebody should click this button, but nobody's clicking the button and everybody's staring at each other, wait, who, who should click the button? Right. Okay, so so you've now we've now mentioned how many? Four tasks, I guess, and then maybe there are sort of smaller tasks that we're not thinking of. Yeah. But to get back to one of the things you said earlier in this episode or at the start of the episode is Bitcoin Core currently is a repository on, on under the it calls Bitcoin under the Bitcoin handle. Yeah, so on GitHub, usually the when you see a URL on GitHub, it's github.com slash name of person slash name of company well, slash the name of the repository. Okay, so, yeah. So Bitcoin slash Bitcoin, the first Bitcoin is the name of either a person or a company or like a NIM. Mm -hmm. And uh, second is the name of the repository. 
Right. So then the question is, I guess, that you were going to ask is, what's Bitcoin? What's the organization? Yeah, who, the person? Who, who is that? Who's that? Or what? Is that Vladimir? I don't know. That is somebody who has the password to, you know, add people as maintainers, to remove people as maintainers, etc. That could be Vladimir. That could be some super shady person that we don't even know about who, you know. Right, yeah, because earlier you mentioned that maintainers are added by maintainers, but someone still has to, again, press a button on GitHub, I guess. Yes. And that button would be pressed by the Bitcoin account? Probably, that but the, I mean, you can delegate something. So, so whoever owns the Bitcoin account on GitHub can then on GitHub itself say, okay, I'm giving permission to this to this account or to this user or to this other user to do these things. So a lot of tasks you can basically, anybody can do it. There's people who can add tags to, or add, add labels to certain issues to say, this is a P2P feature or whatever. There's people who can delete spam. So there's a lot of permissions that you can grant right. if you own that GitHub account. But still, someone owns the Bitcoin account. Like that person, there, there must be something that that account Well, yeah, can and then there's a question. Somebody owns the GitHub account and somebody controls the GitHub account. That might be different. I mean, to, to control it, you just need the login and the password and whatever 2FA is out there. Mm. To own it, that's more of a legal thing. Maybe nobody owns it. Maybe GitHub has just said, you know what, we'll just keep this thing around and whoever, you know, and if there's ever a dispute, then we'll, we'll look at the list of signed maintainers and ask them who is the owner. Maybe. I don't know what the procedure uh, is. And it's probably best in, that we don't know what the procedure is. In this case, I'm just referring to owner, not in a legal sense, but more in... There in control. Is the bit, yeah, the Bitcoin account that has the Bitcoin repository on the website, at least. Yeah, and the most obvious interpretation would be that Vladimir controls that account. That right. makes sense. Mm -hmm. But it could be that he doesn't. Right. And we don't... I, does no one know this? Does, I this, don't know. Maybe somebody does know. And I, did, I, didn't, surely I someone didn't look must it up. Know, but you don't know, and I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense to have that. I mean, it could make sense to have that a little bit vague. You know, you have all these crazy people suing lots of people for crazy reasons. And it's nice if you can, you know, if you somehow lose a lawsuit like that, you can say, well, I have, I have no control over this thing. Like, as soon as I push this button, the real person in control will just pull me away. Yeah, it was. It, it does sound like this would be something. I mean, I like transparency. It would be better if somehow whatever solution you have in mind with the button and you're not in control would be well the, the transparency somehow, i guess the transparency is in the code itself sure no i i yeah. understand that i'm just it doesn't sound ideal to have this fake no i mean I, the ideal me, thing i think what we want to go is to not have a leap maintainer at all and basically have all these things automated but eventually you know websites are in one place so there's always somebody on top of the website right Okay, well, so we've we've defined how many things now? Four and then maybe five. So we, we mentioned that the lead maintainer typically decides when a release is a release. Typically, and that is very much decentralizable. Yeah, and it's also mostly procedure, right? So the process in general is every six months or so there's a new release. So sure. you wait for those six months and you can ask around an IRC, okay, you know, is this a good time to, to start working on the on the release or not? So Sure. No, I'm I'm just yeah. summing it up. So the first mm -hmm. one is deciding when a release is a release, and that seems like something that's decentralizable if it wasn't already more decentralized than having one lead maintainer do it. And then there was signing 
the release, which was already more decentralized because more maintainers or contributors are now signing. There was updating the website. So that's definitely something that other people can do. They're starting the IRC meetings, definitely something, something as someone else can do. And then probably controlling the Bitcoin handle on GitHub, which might not be decentralizable, but we also not sure what's going on there. Right. Okay. So if Vladimir is going to step down or now that he did step down, depending on um, who knows what the exact situation is now, other people are just going to have to start filling these roles. And as we mentioned earlier in the episode, this was where I wanted to end originally. We don't really know who's going to do that. It just... No. And so one possibility is nobody. Mm -hmm. And that has its benefits because that means you no longer get any of this narrative of like this control, this person is the boss of Bitcoin, which, you know, Vladimir clearly was not, but he was accused of being, of being that. So it could be nice to not have anybody, but my guess is there's certain situations where you want somebody to, to like throw a, throw a coin one way or the other, something like that. So we'll see. Okay. And we'll, I guess we'll see in the next couple of releases what steps there are that where we find out, oh, I guess that was something Vladimir was doing and we didn't think about. Yeah. And the next release is kind of coming up-ish. Yeah. I think we, we stop adding features now. And then in a few weeks, the idea is to, to basically split it off into a separate branch where that branch that's designed for the releases, only important changes happen on it. And there's a, a master branch where all the new stuff goes into, but that new stuff won't go into that release that's coming up. So basically the, the project forks uh, in a way. That's something so, we can so what's explain the, another time. What's the ETA for the next release? Do you, do you know? I don't know. It could take a month or two. Right. I think it's usually like after you split up, then it takes a few weeks to fix bugs, bugs and then you get a release candidate. And then it takes two weeks to find bugs in that. And then you do another release candidate. It takes another two weeks to find bugs in that. So it can take a few months. Okay. Yep. Clear to me. All right, then. In that case, thank you for listening to Bitcoin. Explained. Hey, guys. This is Q from Bitcoin Magazine Live. Bitcoin Magazine and the team that brought you the world's largest Bitcoin conference is bringing the mission of hyper-Bitcoinization global with the inaugural European gathering this fall. Bitcoin Amsterdam takes place October 12th through 14th at the beautiful Westergaas venue in the heart of the city. Join thousands of Bitcoiners for three days of curated Bitcoin content that is relevant to the emerging Bitcoin scene in Europe and the global movement. Confirmed speakers include Dr. Adam Back, Alex Gladstein, Greg Foss, Ray Youssef, and many, many more. This will be an immersive conference, which includes hands-on engagements at our Proof of Workshop stage, as well as exclusive content for VIP whales in the deep. Bitcoin Amsterdam's exclamation point will be a massive Bitcoin party and music festival that you won't want to miss. The European installment of Sound Money Fest takes place on day three of the event, October 14th, and admission is included with GA and whale passes. Check out all the details at b.tc forward slash conference and use promo code BMLIVE for 10% off. Ticket prices increase on August 21st, so grab your tickets today for €299 Euros for a GA ticket and €3,499 Euros for VIP whale passes. The censorship-resistant issue of the Bitcoin Magazine print edition is available now. 
Grab your copy at your local Barnes & Noble store or head on over to the Bitcoin Magazine store and use promo code BMLIVE to get 10% off of your order today. Thank <laughs> you.